0: Settle down and make dreams of living in a hot pink house. You too make these plans of living. And I may not know anything about anything ever.
1: Welcome to the CITR Arts Report on 101.9 FM. I'm having a great day today because I got uh, an awesome set of guests, one of whom is uh, with me right now. Her name is Christine Kim. She's a regular arts reporter, a regular contributor to the Arts Report, and she just recently uh, saw the Vancouver Asian Film Festival. You saw a bunch of films at the Vancouver Asian Film Festival uh, Christine, uh, say hi. Hi. <laughs> How's it going?
2: It's going pretty good. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. I'm glad you were, you were able to find some time to, you know, get some culture despite the November exams and, you know, the st- the pressures of school. So props to you for making it out.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I had a pleasure going to see the films. It was a great stress reliever.
1: Awesome. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the Vancouver Asian Film Festival? What's it about? And when did it start?
2: Yeah. So. This was actually the 18th annual um, festival that took place on November 6th and 9th, and um, it was held at the Cineplex Odeon International Village, um, located in Vancouver's Chinatown. Um, The theme this year was What's Your Perspective? Um, It was a question that called upon a collective past and present and how individuals interact with one another in society. So a little bit of background about VAF. VAF is the oldest Asian film festival in all of Canada. It was founded in 1995 and it debuted in September 1997. And this is just directly off of their website. Um, their mission statement says, VAF strives to promote dynamic and innovative images of Asians, especially Canadian Asians, in atypical roles usually not found in mainstream film and television with the belief that in order to have these images, the creative control and storytelling must come from the asian canadian communities themselves and the support must begin with these independent asian filmmakers um so yeah i went to go to the i went to the festival but i didn't actually attend the entire festival it was you know all day for three whole days and
1: that's pretty tough yeah yeah. (laughs) but what did you end up seeing what did you end up catching?
2: So I saw two programs. The first mm. one is called Dark Passage. And that's a series of short films um, regarding the dark side of human nature. So a- Always interesting. <laughs> so a lot of the films were actually uh, very emotional and very, I guess... Mm, Not, they weren't really discussing light topics. Um, I was actually surprised at how many of the short films actually portrayed real life events of the directors themselves. So it wasn't just completely fictional. Um, One of the films called A Grand Canal, um, it depicts, you know, the passing away of the director, Johnny Ma's father. Mm. And at the end of the film, he actually has his own little Voiceover explaining how he, he really feels to this day about his um, father passing away. Um, so I was actually after watching this, I realized you know one of the great things about going to um, these kind of film festivals and watching independent film films is how I guess without bars, these films portray hard issues. You know, because in the mm. mainstream, when you watch films, there are certain topics and certain um I guess issues that most mainstream films don't really go near It's only on these at this underground level or at this like grassroots level that you really get to see um the beauty of these kind of um short length films, which I thought was really cool. I mean, you don't really necessarily go to these films to see you know like a really high quality movie that has you know like a fifty thousand dollars like film budget yeah. you know you go to these films to see this kind of raw i guess yeah Yeah. um and i guess throughout the entire film there was actually um six films that i got to see in the series dark passage and my favorite one had to be um night hawks and this was directed by gian Paolo lupari i hope (laughs) i didn't butcher his name (laughs) where's
1: out of curiosity where's that guy from do you happen to know that definitely doesn't sound like an asian name to me
2: you know what? I'm not 100% sure, but the film is set in China, hmm. Shanghai. So um, his name does sound Italian. Yeah. You know, so um, that's the other thing, too, about these films. You know, yeah. they're not necessarily by Asian film directors and they don't necessarily have to um, portray Asian characters or Asian, an Asian setting. It just kind of has to be one of the above. Yeah. So that kind of connection to East Asia isn't... Um, doesn't have to be incredibly strong but it just yeah. has to be there
1: so this one was set in China you been saying and uh, what what's it about what what struck a chord with you that you've made it your favorite <laughs>
2: um well actually it was the idea that it presented about social media and how mm. it's changing the um, social dynamics of china um so basically what happens is you're in this the first setting is the is this shanghai noodle bar and you just see people eating noodles and it's normal along comes this old lady and she's in her pajamas and she's very very talkative She. Doesn't seem to really know anybody in the shop, but she goes in with her um, handheld smartphone and <laughs> she's like, you know, in um, in her Asian axis like, she goes, you know, like in Twitter and in Facebook, everybody's raving about this noodle shop. And she's just like going on and on about like how she's so excited for these noodles. <laughs> and then suddenly she's like, you know what else is on the social media nowadays? On social media, have you guys seen the video of the Chinese um, rich boy who hit a guy, just a civilian on the road. And um, there's footage of him getting out of his car, checking to see if the guy is dead, running back to his car, and then driving away um, from that scene.
1: Is this old lady talking to another character or is is she talking directly to the audience? That's what I'm wondering. It seems like a...
2: She's actually just talking as if she is talking to somebody else, but nobody's really around her. Okay, So you get the sense that she's just very disconnected Mm. from you know, real-life human interaction. She's just holding onto her iPhone. She's sitting at a table alone, <laughs> and she's just gabbering away. Um, yeah, and the moment she talks about that story, which is pretty... pretty, It's a sensitive topic, I guess, um, because one of the um, individuals within the shop, he kind of looks up. He seems very, very nervous, and he ter- he stands up to get out of the shop. And that's when the story kind of picks up. Um, she grabs his arm and set, and tells the guy who's about to leave to sit down. And through their conversation, you realize that this is the guy who hit the man, um, in the video. Mm-hmm. So the, the, it's the rich guy, um, who hit a civilian, checked to see if he was dead, went back to his car and drove away. And it kind of just blew up over social media, right? About how can this happen? This is outrageous. This guy needs to come to trial. But the power of wealth is very strong, I guess, in China. And there's a lot of corruption that does um, protect these people legally. So one of the things that the um, old lady says is, you know, we know where you live and we know um, what kind of places you like to go eat at. And she... It gives off this really freaky stalkerish vibe to him. And it's funny because everybody else in the store is just kind of looking and listening in on their conversation.
1: Going about their business. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's only when she says, I want you to confess that you are the one who hit the man um, on the streets or on the road. And I want you to give an apology. And she like takes out her smartphone and she wants to record him saying it and obviously the guy's like no like i can't do this like what are you guys doing like it wasn't me or like he's also saying how like you know what could i have done in that situation you know i'm not a doctor and so he's just kind of like defending himself as as the woman is accusing him of all this stuff Mm -hmm. and he tries to leave and her and just a couple other people who are standing there get up and murder the man and so he's murdered and the woman, the old lady, she takes out a piece of paper and she writes the apology in his voice. So she's like, I am a, you know, a crazy, per- like I am a bad person basically yeah. and I'm sorry for what I've done. Like she writes that out on a paper, takes a picture of it and then puts it up on social media. And when she leaves the store, the people who helped her in the crime leave with her. And it's revealed that this was all planned from the beginning, that they planned it over social media, doing this to doing this wow. and ganging up on him and just enacting and carrying out justice.
1: Vigilante Yeah. Justice. And
2: I was like, I was thinking about that. And the message was very clear. You know, it's like, these are the new Robin Hoods of the 21st century, you know? And I thought that was such an interesting idea how these social media has empowered um, Chinese civilians to kind of take matters into their own hands when their government is failing to do so, and it's it's a scary idea because on some level it's wrong you of shouldn't course, yeah. you shouldn't be able to do that, but on another level, you realize that the amount of frustration and the amount of um i guess um just rage yeah that these people must have had before not having the avenue of social media to outlet their i guess rage is very interesting. And I, after watching Nighthawks, I, I literally thought about it the entire night and how social media is really changing the way we protest and the way that we speak out against issues, you know? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I, I loved this film.
1: That's, that sounds really fascinating. And, it, and like you said, it kind of covers both sides of, uh, of the coin when it comes to social media. like. This like feeling of you're connected, but at the same time, what do those connections mean? And when things get out of control, which is precisely what happened when people wanted to take this matter into their own hands, understandably, because of the corruption and all that, these pressures build up. And But then it's scary that people organize and then commit a savage act at the end of the day that was more equivalent to like mob justice, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a very fascinating look and yeah that very honest betrayal too
2: and actually the innocence of like kind of the uh, degradation of innocence i guess was even heightened as the shop owner's daughter Mm -hmm. Um, before the murder was carried out the shop owner was like i want you to leave right now because he knows what's going to happen yeah and this group at the end you realize they label themselves as the night hawks as the people who's like we're gonna hunt down all these people who aren't um Getting justice for their actions, um, and the young lady leaves, and I think that just shows that this isn't something that is right and pure, and yeah. you know, it's it's not something that should be allowed. But in another level, you know that you you can't help but feel a yeah. little bit of empathy for these people.
1: Uh, well, let's wrap up with that second film you saw. Like, what was the what was the key thing about that that struck you?
2: Yeah, so the second series of films that I watched second was series, yeah. uh Vanimation Retrospective. Mm-hmm. So this was a series of short films just of purely animations. And it was because, you know, the I guess the animations um department of film isn't getting as much funding as say um, films that feature real life actors, yeah. um, and so I thought that was really cool. One of the community partners for this was Anime Evolution. Nice. Um, yeah, and
1: they're the ones that throw the big convention, right? Yeah, yeah. here
2: at the sub actually mm-hmm. this past year. And so, um, th- to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of animations because I do like the a- the real as- the aspect of having real life characters or real yeah. life actors yeah. on screen instead of a drawn picture, but i watching the series of short films, which was I believe more than ten, yeah in such a short amount of time, just a um, hundred minutes watching so many films, I realized that animation you know it can take upon so many forms, so it could be a drawing, a sketch um, moving about on the screen, but it can also be you know um, <coughs> crafts and then having it stop motion, I guess yeah. basically animations, and then you could also have it as graphics uh not of sketches or drawings but just of um computer images moving Mm -hmm. about on the screen so it was really nice to see the artistic quality the difference in artistic quality of every single film that i watched through this series yeah um so that was actually such it was beautiful like some of the artwork up there really captivated me even if like the plot didn't um I, I would say that my favorite one throughout the series was Insert Credit by David Nguyen Nguyen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said his Or is name it right. just
1: Nguyen? I, sometimes
2: I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um so what I really liked about Insert Credit was yeah. um they depicted the story of a man's life um f- through a video game setting. So, you know, mm. you start off as level 1 and oh, that the sounds first awesome. yeah, the first challenges um Achieve your manhood. And, you know, he has to go through all these um, different stages, battle all these different monsters and villains, like homework and evil teachers. And he just, like, um, (laughs) progresses through life. Um, So that was really awesome to see because that's such a cool way to depict life and, like, Mm. view it in that way. Um, And, like, the other thing, too, it was actually pretty as as fun as the setting was it was also it also tackled a lot of um topics of homosexuality because the character within the video game goes through a period of his life where he falls in love with somebody of the same sex and he encounters a lot of pushback to it and um it also goes over i guess his kind of um self-loathing of not being able to live up to expectations of his father Um, so there were a lot of I guess themes of manhood within this story that I was um, profoundly impacted by but also just the idea of depicting life in the way of a video game was super cool and super um, fun to watch
1: awesome well uh, Christine thank you so much for coming in today uh, it was great to hear about the Vancouver Asian Film Festival, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to see more great films like this come out more regularly. On, do they have any uh, ways to watch some of these films online, or is it just at the festival? Like, are there maybe some of these films are on Vimeo or something like that? By any chance, do you know?
2: Yeah, um, definitely some of the f- uh, films are on Vimeo. Oh, awesome! Um, I wouldn't say. A lot of the longer ones, like the feature-length mm-hmm. films, but the uh, short-length films, great. I yeah, there are definitely they are definitely up online. Um, while you won't be able to find them through um, the VAF website, if you just go on the VAF website, search up the title that you want to see, and then just do a Google search on it. It's not difficult at all.
1: All right, great. Well, thanks again for coming on, and uh, look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, thanks. Take it easy. So we're just going to take a quick. Uh, PSA Bake and then we'll be right back uh, on Arts Report CITR 101.9
0: This is Scruff Mouth the Scribe plugged in on number 3 all the way live and direct on CITR 101.9 UBC represent connect the dots At Dunkin' Donuts, each and every
1: radio show
0: is proved fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor. If you're a tough customer, only the taste of this
1: radio show
0: will do, so go ahead, let Dunkin' Donuts make your radio experience. Exquisite. Indeed. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, serving sweet treats from the pop underground. Thursdays, noon to one. Let's listen in as one poor soul tries to find something good to enjoy on the radio. Let's see here. Uh oh, God. Ugh. Everybody dance, dance. What you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Ugh. Everybody God, this is awful. I climbed up the mountain, climbed back down again for you, I climbed up the mountain again for you, and then I climbed back down, climbed up... Oh, isn't there anything, 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 anything? Listening to the radio these days can be distressing. Fortunately, here at CITR, our programmers choose the music that they play, so our charts reflect what people actually listen to. To find out what's really topping the charts, pick up a copy of Beat Root or Discord or Magazine, or check us out online at citr.ca. Unless, of course, you'd rather keep listening to the chart-topping single, Everybody Dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Everybody dance. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? <laughs> Everybody...
1: And welcome back to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. I am joined by uh, Kim Villagante, uh, a.k.a. Kim Mortal, a.k.a. one of the dopest, multi-talented artists that I have had the pleasure of getting to see live and just meeting by chance in uh, Vancouver's open mic scene. Uh, it's it's been, it, it's been a long time coming, Chris, uh, Kim, so... I'm glad you finally made it here. It's really cool to have you. Thank you. And uh, there is so much to discuss. Um, <laughs> so the first thing, you know, just yeah. reading up about you a little bit more and and uh, seeing your background, I, I can't help but still think, like, how does it happen? How does an individual get talented not only in singing, poetry, rapping, but also visual arts like drawing and sketching and painting, what was it in your in in your maybe in your childhood that kind of led you down this path of not just seeking one of these things but seeking all of them? Oh, it might be a pretty heavy question, <laughs> but it's been racking <laughs> my cry. brain. You know, yeah. <laughs>
3: um, being uh, being a daughter of an artist, my dad is actually uh, a portrait artist, but he's also he also sang as a young kid. And that performance ethic is embedded in my dad's side of the family. Um, and so I always, I grew up basically watching my dad do charcoal portraits in the kitchen in his make-home studio. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was basically from just watching him do art that I was like, okay, I want to do that. Um, and then growing up, you know, I was encouraged to perform by my parents. Um, my parents are also Filipino, Filipino immigrants, and so they always pushed us to perform. Um, us, as in my sister and I, we performed mm. a lot as little kids. Uh, grew up in the church, you know, did church plays, um, musicals. I was in choir. <laughs> you know, I, was, I, was, I played the trumpet back in band. Nice. Grade 6 and whatnot. Um, I was also in drama 12 and, and grade 10. I always had that push and desire to shine. Um, I was a shy kid, though. Um, but it was in the arts that I felt that freedom and that outlet to express myself and be anything, you know, anything yeah. I could be. Um, I'm also that type of person that when I see something that inspires me, I'm like, oh, I want to try that. I want to, like, put my own flavor into that and see what is possible with yeah. the arts. Um, so I guess it's, like, a combination of my my ancestral roots, having that in, that art- artistry embedded in my blood, but um, just... Also, just being easily inspired and taking risks. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of ancestral roots, and you're, you're very proud of them, and you've uh, definitely expressed that in your songs, uh, that in your new album. And in fact, I believe there is a song that's called Ancestral was it?
3: Ancestral I, clock boom Ancestral lock, lock, boom clock in brackets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I want to use both titles. <laughs> so
1: That's <laughs> so that well, why not why not both? Yeah, yeah, that's right? a perfect example of it why fits. not both. And yeah. that's what I was going to say, like were mm-hmm. you almost more driven by the fact that there let's face it in Canadian music. You don't see a lot of F- Filipinos then again, you don't see a lot of minorities in general, you know, in the scene, right? Whether, whatever genre it may be, did that almost make you want to get out there more? Did that, did that add to the motivation, fuel to the fire, as they say?
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that is definitely part of my drive. I find that Filipinos and Canadian music were present, but we're not, we're not seen, you know, Mm. we're not given that airtime. Even growing up I didn't really see myself reflected as a woman in in hip hop and loving hip hop so much. But then when I did come across those strong female MCs or those strong female artists, I'm like, yo, it's possible. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna attack the mic. You know, like Rocky Rivera, she's a Filipino MC from the Bay Area down in the States. Huge inspiration, Filipina M C Lauren Hill, huge, huge in my books. Like when I first heard M T V Unplugged when I was fifteen, I was literally in tears. Just listened to Lauren Hill. And you know, she's she shares her heart and where she's coming from and her truth and her story and she's so honest about that. And that's something that truly captivates me when people are authentic and they bring their truth and yeah. they're not apologetic about it. That stuff really gets me. So spoken word also, like a lot of spoken word artists that Share their story, and you know that really grips me. And so it all started from writing.
1: Writing, so, yeah. Writing. I was gonna say yeah. you probably you start with poetry and then make your way to music, uh, or was it vice versa? Yeah.
3: Um, you know what? So, I- I've always kept journals ever since I was like ten. Yeah. Nine, and uh, some of my things looked like poetry, sounded like poetry, so I guess it's poetry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then. That poetry became raps or songs or spoken mm. word pieces. Um, which is kind of like how this album happened. Like I, I actually started writing music when I was fifteen. Like wow. on the guitar. Is
1: this so the album which we must mention uh yes. it's coming out soon in November twenty eighth. Yes, that's What's my your birthday? album called?
3: Yay. Um my album is called Sincerity. And why is that? Ooh. You know what? That's, I mean, it's that's a, a gra- great story. That's a great story, like, behind it. That's, yeah. I, I
1: would think so. I mean, people might say, oh, sincerity, authentic. But, I mean, mm-hmm. there's obviously something more to it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a word that encapsulates a lot. But what does it mean to you for this album?
3: To me, well, the, for one thing, this album's title changed three times. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, never easy. Eh? No, it isn't. It actually, like, I came upon the title a month ago. Um, when we right after the photo shoot for this album when we were kind of tying up the loose ends. And I literally woke up to it one day and I was like, sincerity. Like, that's totally it. It's, not, it's actually a title of a track on the album. Um, and I woke up one day and then I, I text messaged my sister who also happens to be my manager. And I'm like, yo, this word, sincerity, like, that kept resonating with me throughout the photo shoot. And a lot of it is because it really sums up Um, the journey within the past six to seven years of when I wrote the songs um, of just like, you know, being a part of different communities, like coming into myself as a queer woman of color, like identifying as that, being in different communities, like the Filipino activist community, the queer people of color community, the artist community at large, because I do so many different arts and so I interact with so many different people. Um, And just being bombarded with like the institution, the system, you know, the the fact that I'm I was an artist student at the time, five years, you know, and just the struggles of like also struggling with housing and moving 12 times in two years. I had all these questions inside and just like all these like internal struggles as much as I was powering through my life. And. So songwriting and writing was like my way of getting back into my headspace and connecting to myself. And so each of these songs, I'm trying to connect to me, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Hence the sincerity. Hence sincerity. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that fits. So boom, there it is. <laughs> and yeah, this, this whole album, like from the start, it's, it starts off with the song Doubts, which I imagine really takes place in my head. And then tracks like She and I'm Not Sorry and Peace, those songs journey out into the world. And then the last track is Sincerity, and it brings you back to your head, yourself. Yeah. Right? So it's like a full circle kind
1: of piece. Speaking Um, of which, uh, we've got... You've uh, been kind enough to send me four of your tracks. I've been doing some listening. But I also noticed there is an an order. We can do whatever order you like, uh, Mm. but the first... Track that happens to be on my screen is "Dying in Flight." Would you like? Would you like to start with that one? Yeah, sure. Maybe. That sounds good. Maybe you could talk about how did this song uh, come about in particular, and uh, what it and yeah, and "Dying in Flight." What does that mean exactly?
3: Mm, I think there's an illusion when you're rising and ascending higher and higher. Hmm. Um, there's an illusion of elation and like it's all good, but really you can be dying in flight. Like you can be disconnecting to fr- disconnecting from your origins and from your roots as you're rising. And mm. so it talks about um, that. I guess it just talks about that journey and my own experience of being pulled in so many directions. Perfect. Yeah. I play the ukulele on it too. So.
1: Oh, nice! Yeah. <laughs> Another <laughs> instrument: trumpet, ukulele, guitar. What? What? Before we even finish this, like, is there going to be like ten more instruments you're going to list out?
3: You know what? The whole album actually is a compilation of many instruments. Awesome! But they all started from the guitar and vocals. So
1: great. Yeah. Well, let's get to uh, "Dying in Flight" uh, by Kim Mortal off Sincerity. S- stay tuned.
3: My heart check for hidden agendas Remember my start when I move up higher I refuse to celebrate if I step before my heart And I won't celebrate if it means I drown my heart Talk to me, just talk to me, calm down I can trick myself with all this motion So that I'm dying in flight My wings are cuffed to labels now Though I'm a free bird I still trace their words Because I've lost and i fought And forgot my own Talk to me, just talk to me, calm down Talk to me, just talk to me, calm down words these days they so easily drip by the lips of jippers spitting kids with the greeds but they're more like below zero regurgitating theories trying to be heroes so for the subtext i check for this it's always there begging for attention conceit is in the air we breathe big heads and big sis going on narcissists even though our fists are up y'all can still power trip it up even when you make five points About a system corrupt Something is wrong If you can't say what's up Talk to me Just talk to me Calm down Talk to me Just talk to me Calm down
1: That was Dying in Flight by Kim Ordle, uh, off her new album, Sincerity. And uh, it's gonna be released this November 28th. Uh, so that's not too long from now. Man, how, how are you feeling about that, Kim? I, I know you've been working yeah. on it for a while. I remember mm-hmm. contacting you in the summer saying, hey, you gotta go on the shore. Like, yeah. just wait, this album is still cooking. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just, yeah, How it, how are you feeling now that it's, your baby is about to be released into the, into the wild and out for everybody to to see and consume. Like
3: yeah, um, this album, I, I almost don't consider it to be like a baby that I want to like delicately take care of and mm-hmm. like pat on the head and stuff and like <laughs> protect from strangers. Like I'm like just just go, just you go. Know? I'm kind of like <laughs> just do your thing, grow up, you know. Um, how am I feeling? I'm feeling really nervous. Because um, I have rehearsals coming up, and I'm going to be performing with a live band for the first time in oh, a long time. that's exciting, though. Yeah, totally. So for the album release, like, I'm getting the instrumentalists that were part of the recording process um, to come. So that includes, like, a cellist, a violinist, a drummer, oh, a guitarist. Yeah.
1: That's that's the way to do it, though. That's
3: Yeah. The way. I, I mean, well, I don't know if you've we'll noticed, see. but
1: hip-hop these days, I've, I've seen that almost every artist is trying to get like the live band back and i mean Mm -hmm. i almost attribute it to the roots i think they were Mm -hmm. a big reason but Mm -hmm. i love seeing this movement um Mm -hmm. and you yourself you're saying that this is the first time you're going to perform in that setting but Mm -hmm. it must be thrilling right like on on one hand Um, and during the recording process uh was was that a challenge to overcome or with was it relatively easy to adjust to these live instruments? Because you must, as a rapper, you must mm. be used to, you know, you pick the beat you want, mm-hmm, you write mm-hmm, to that specific mm-hmm. song. Totally. And then it's, you know, it's, it's very much you control that, whereas here it's right. like there's other people, uh, other cooks in the kitchen, as you could other say. Other cooks.
3: <laughs> totally. Um, well, for me, I, I started writing, like, I have those acoustic, like, folk roots, right? Mm. So I, I would write raps on the acoustic guitar or, like, on whatever awesome. I could loop. Yeah. Right? And then, so for me, like, going into the studio and, like, performing or recording was, like, not too bad. It mm-hmm. Like, that live element is really kept throughout the album. Yeah. But I also worked with producer Jeremy Enns of Aesthetic Productions, and he's, like, a super awesome like really listens to what you want for the tracks yeah and so i was able to construct tracks with him so we would listen to like pre-recorded tracks of just me performing the tracks on the guitar and then we would be like okay what do you hear on this oh i hear the bells i hear the triangle or i hear a violin coming in here so it was really like a creative process that accumulated over time yeah
1: but very organic as well right yeah that's awesome yeah how about we go for another track because I'm lo- uh, from what I've heard I uh, I need to make sure we get all these tracks out. <laughs> we need to make sure everybody who's listening today gets to hear the tracks that we've got from your album. And the next one that's also really awesome is called "She." Very simple title. Why so? She. And I is... don't mean simple in a bad way. <laughs> I just mean it's. It's just it's three letters and that's she, it.
3: S H G like my name K I M, right? Mhm. Uh she is like that one track that I've performed like tons of times around the city. Um and it's it's a song dedicated to all the powerful women in my life. So it's in honor of them and I actually not many people know this but I actually started writing the song um inspired by my sister, my older sister. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, talking about how she's fierce and how that connects to so many women in my life that are artists and pushing and surviving, you know, and so beautifully and gracefully. And if not, full of fury and rage, which is also beautiful, too. So she is like that anthem.
1: All right. And we will we will play that anthem right now for you lucky folks listening to CITR 101.9, The Arts Report. Coming up next is She by Kimmortal of Sincerity. Ooh. Enjoy.
3: I hold last to my heart, check for hidden agendas, remember my style. Star-
1: my apologies, I played the wrong song there. I'm about to play She coming up hopefully right now. Let's see. That was That sounds more like it. Yep <laughs> All right. This is uh, she of sincerity, uh, Like immortal. Enjoy.
3: your mind show philosophies book of rhymes that you wrote to confine never thought you'd be the god to paralyze a mind unknown reality her silent tragedies. tragedies will walk for hours playing games of monopoly i'm sitting on the side of society as if this greed wasn't something that's inside of me but we do power trip for miles trying to tame her wild keep her body on trial then tell her to smile dance around it nod your head like this dumb it down hip-hop has lost its common sense but i still love her She's a daughter of the gun son, shooting rhymes at the heart of revolution. Her, body, her mind is forever. She's ocean embodied, not hobby. My music's from struggle, but honesty is rare in this greedy bubble like the land that's been stolen. Lies have been woven in our minds and in time become the words that are used to define us. It's got me singing, what the hell? To this fake it till you make it. Who care less If you break, it's, it's a, a rat race. She looks for God in this gritty city, kinda like woman warriors, not exotic bystanders. The women in my life have always been creators, anchors, leaders, artists, teachers, mothers. We are mothering, our mothers, we are healers. Invisible to high society, we push back, cause that's no excuse to fall back. So I guess that will keep my false alarm just to keep this ball rolling. I try to keep my heart in my heart keep my flowing out. Majesty's in real time, but it's in disguise. Gotta resurrect y'all with the fist
0: up to the sky. With your fist up to
1: We're back and CITR 101.9, you're listening to The Arts Report. You just heard She uh, by Kim Mortal off her album Sincerity. Um, and I might as well talk about what we were just talking about during during the song. Um, Kim noticed a, a little flyer here, and it was called Carnival Against the Hikes and I, I explained to her the recent situation going on in UBC, the controversy of our tuition hikes and international student fees and residence mm-hmm. fees. As somebody who went to UBC for five and a half years, Kim, you probably understand the, the struggle, the, the economic struggle of just being a student, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, for
3: sure. Yeah, for sure. I like have a paper degree it's not on my wall but it's worth thirty
1: two thousand. <laughs> oh man yeah, you remember so i feel you <laughs> you remember that that big money that's like yeah, oh man it's yeah a... but did did you find uh your experience at UBC beneficial i mean you ended up finishing and doing the degree uh was it was was there certain aspects of it that like mm-hmm. really stuck with you in, in a positive way despite the you know the grind and all that <laughs>
3: yeah um it was actually through UBC that I met a lot of like artists in the community. So yeah. I, I definitely I, found that yeah, to be the same yeah, thing. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So um, I also performed a lot throughout my university years. So like I, I felt like I got a lot of support through meeting other people that were putting on events. I would perform wherever I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and. My education at UBC was like broad. I did a lot of stuff besides visual arts and art history. But um, you know what? looking back, it's it's all a blur. <laughs> it's It's really all a blur, and I'm like, what what was I doing all those years? But a lot of arts, I don't yeah. think anything's changed much much except for um just not going to class and that grind is still in my ethic. I mm. feel like I'm still like working to have deadlines yeah um but in terms of like the the practicalness of my degree i think you just got to make it work for you
1: absolutely yeah and and, um i think like what you said about the the community here at ubc the artistic community that's probably Mm -hmm. for me like the biggest thing that's helped and i'm glad to see that you know that uh, that 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 sentiment is shared by a lot of people one of the people you mentioned uh uh, earlier when we were uh, doing the song uh, was missy d mm-hmm. and she's come on the show before with lady jams yeah so. and she will and speaking of missy d mm-hmm. she will be performing with yes. you at your album release party which we of course should mention yes. uh so what's the deal with that that's Happened on December 6th, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah.
3: December 6th at the Wood Studio, which is Main and West 2nd. And um, you have to RSVP before you come through. Okay. <laughs> so
1: How will people be able to do that? Facebook? Through, through the email. Through, or email. So
3: Wood thewoodsstudio. uh, Thewoodstudio at yahoo.ca. Mm. And, and entrance is 5 bucks by donation. Um, DJ Wondercut. Purple Heart Social Club, who will also be performing at Carnival yeah. Against the Hikes. Another CITR favorite right there. Yep. <laughs> They're my homies. They're awesome. Lady Jams, Missy D is a part of that. Um, Saul Diana. Yeah. She's also a spoken word, rap poet. And then me and the band. Oh, yeah. and also dancers. I'm also doing collaborations, spoken word uh, with some hip hop dance. Yeah. With my King goodness. Padilla. Yep.
1: That's going to be an <laughs> action packed show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it <laughs> it's gonna
3: well, be a lot to prep for yeah
1: but yeah. that sounds incredible what a what an incredible collaboration of diverse talents but at the same mm-hmm. time all of you guys kind of share that it's a bit of like a hip-hop r&b mm-hmm. shared soul you mm-hmm. know essence there mm-hmm. with all all the acts but that's that's great mm-hmm. um and yeah and uh, just speaking of lady gems missy d and uh you know Great collaborations. If you guys didn't know about the tuition hikes going on at UBC, just wanted to point out. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is Carnival against the hikes, so uh, if you got time, and you're a UBC student, uh, you want to get involved in the activist community, but have some fun doing it at the same time. Uh, tomorrow it's happening, so that will be uh, at the Norm Theater uh, tomorrow. You can check out the Facebook event details at the hashtag I am a student. Uh, Facebook group, so the admission is also by donation, like Kim's event. So yeah, two yes. big events happening in just uh, in a short span of time. Lots of great acts. Yeah. So now um, let's go on to uh, another track. Uh, this one's called right. "I'm Not Sorry."
3: Yes. Oh, this is. Can I talk about this a lot? Yes, later? absolutely. Yes. Okay. So "I'm Not Sorry" is the most recent track that I, I kind of. I wrote it earlier this year. I finished writing the rap for it. and um, it's my favorite track on the album. Oh wow. So I'm like, yo, like listen to this. Like when I hear it, I'm like, yes, you know it's one of those it's one of those tracks that, that I resonate with where I'm at right now because again, like a lot of these songs I've, w- I've written within the past six to seven years. So I'm not sorry speaks about you know not being apologetic, speaking your truth, not shying away from shining
1: boom (laughs) (laughs) man that's that's some deep stuff right there all right well with those inspirational words uh let's hear i'm not sorry by kim ordle of sincerity
3: be standing when you push past me and I'm taking what's mine putting it in my uh ah.
1: That was "I'm Not Sorry" by Kimortal off her album, upcoming debut album, Sincerity. Uh, it was uh, her self-proclaimed favorite song, so I'm glad we uh, gave you uh, gave you guys a taste uh, of three really awesome tracks off Sincerity. But now it's time for something a little bit different. Uh, we're gonna get some spoken word coming straight straight from the source, Kimortal. Uh, is gonna be performing live right now. So whenever you're ready, take it.
3: Cool, so this is a spoken word piece called She, and I'm performing it actually on December the 6th, uh, live with a dancer, Kim Padilla, and um, it's called She. After she poured her heart out, like ocean bursting through concrete, Tears washing streams heavy over her face, she raised her fist to the sky. In this moment of silence, in that dark room of an open mic joint, I hoped her poem broke you open like a flood. Your books of rhymes, lines and lies that you stack high for, crowd props and head nods to fortify your masculine skin, I hope you now see fallen. Laying bars, you building blocks you never thought would have been the same walls that would confine her. She spoke of the way she would hold her breath, nod her head, bend over, pretend she liked it behind closed doors walls that hid her tragedy, her unspoken reality. Yet inside she would still write poetry on the walls that enclosed her about how her skin was stolen, how they would power trip on it for miles trying to tame her wild then force her to smile. Her screams were remixed with the cha ching of cash money and stifled just enough under dope beats that street dancers jacked to MC spit over and DJ sampled. Outside she let people sample her parts into disconnection. Nod your head like this. Feet moved to the rhythm. Stomp out your heartbeat. Forget your history, her story, your ancestry. Dumb it down. Dumb it down. Hip-hop has lost her common sense. But I still love her. You tell me you'll write your rhymes just for fun, but I know she's the daughter of the gun, son. Shooting hearts cause it's the root of revolution. Fist brown, black and golden, rising from ruins, bombing L-O-V-E around your cement alleys and trains of thought. Heading back home to word so she can spit it back. One, two, mic check. Treat every woman with respect. She is a survivor from a legacy of queens. Though they can find her in the scene, her legacy will shine because she won't stop.
1: (laughs) 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 It's just me in this room, but I wish I could... (laughs) Produce a thousand claps, a thousand <laughs> times that volume. Yes, that was that was heartfelt. That, that was amazing. Um, Thank you. Wow, I, I I don't know what to say other than like it really. It I think it could strike a chord with almost anybody because you know you 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 think of your mom, you think mm-hmm. of family, friends who you know they're women and they and sometimes you forget about people that i mean or you take them for granted but mm-hmm. like really like especially for me it's like my mom was like oh love you mom <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're, thanks, you're listening bro, yeah. <laughs> thank you. That's but awesome. like seriously it made me think of that kind of stuff it's That's like you, you just take for granted the the women in your lives and as a, as a man saying that it's like you got to remember to check yourself <laughs>
3: like, boom <laughs> <laughs> so many boom moments <laughs> so many
1: boom moments but not thank you for that um yeah, thank you and you know who it, who it, remi- it did remind me